Would you turn with me in your Bibles to um, Proverbs chapter 4? Proverbs chapter 4. We've been in a series of messages. Pastor Doug, um, who unfortunately couldn't be here with us this morning, um, took us through the first part of this Family Matters um, series. And if you were here over the last four weeks, he looked at the way things were back in the Garden of Eden uh, before there was a fall and how God had created relationships and, and people to be in relationship with one another. And, and then he talked about how the things are. And, and if you remember, if you were here, it was over that, that element of the fall of humanity. And after the fall, all of the pain and all the problems and all the difficulties that we've had in relationships are a byproduct of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. And then week three, he got an opportunity to talk about the way things can be. And it was talking about this amazing element of what God could do in relationships to transform you. And then he talked about last week, the way things will be. That when we get to heaven, that the relationships, all the pain, all the sorrows, all the tears, all the frustrations will be gone. Well, this week and over the next couple of weeks, I get the opportunity to preach to you about practical matters like today, getting to the heart. What I want to try to focus on this morning is to ask you to think about where do real things happen in your life? Where does real change happen? Deep within your heart is the answer. Proverbs 23, uh, chapter 4, verse 23 is the only verse that I'm going to be keying off of today. It says this, keep your heart with all vigilance. Your version may say, guard your heart. Your version may actually say, above all this, guard your heart. But keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. <laughs> Would you pray with me as we begin? So Lord, this morning, as we have an opportunity to, to worship you, and we have an opportunity to open your word, Lord. I pray that you would do an amazing work in our lives. Thank you so much for the gift of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the fact that you are a God who transforms people's hearts. Thank you for the gospel of your amazing grace, because the gospel changes everything. Jesus changes everything. So, Lord, today, I pray that you would wrestle with us and we would wrestle with you as we go through your word. Help us to understand deeply what it is that you have for us. Fill us with your spirit and help us to bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there are three questions I want you to consider this morning. I'm indebted to uh, Paul Tripp over these questions. Question number one I want you to consider is this. Why do you do the things that you do? You ever wonder that? Why is it that I do and you do the things that are deep within your own heart and life? Why is it that I do the things that I do in the way I speak, in the way I act? So the first question I want you to consider this morning. There's a second question I want you to consider is this. How does lasting change take place in my life? See, as we've been going through this Family Matters um, series, we've been talking about relational difficulties, and we've been trying to wrestle with, why do we have the difficulties that we have? Well, well today, I want to try to figure out, where are the problems deep within? Why do I do what I do? And then, how can I really change? Not just temporal change, not just surface change, but lasting, permanent change that my marriage and my family and my relationships can be radically different. And it can be. 
First question, why do I do what I do? Second question, how does lasting change take place? The third question I want you to consider is this. How can I be used as an instrument in the hands of God to minister grace to other people? See, that, I think, is the essentials of what this church can become. That if we understand why I do what I do and how does lasting change take place and how I can be used to minister grace to others, that would be huge. It would help us immensely. Okay, so now let's look at this passage. Why do I do the things that I do? Second, I want you to see where it says, keep your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. What does that mean? It talks about this idea of guarding your heart, your version may say. The heart, which we'll talk about this morning, is the internal you. You know, if you ask most people in the world and you were asked what the heart is, most of them would say the heart is about emotions. It's about the feelings that you have. But, but the Bible says it's something radically different. The Bible says that your heart is not only the way you think, it's your desires, it's your, it's your drive, it's your will, it's you. That what God does is that he has created human beings that have a physical and outward nature, but then there's the inward you. And why we do the things that we do is because there's something deep within you. All the choices, all the decisions, all the actions, what motivates you to respond, to think, to speak, to act the way that you do? In Luke chapter 6, Jesus was asked that question in essence, and this is the answer he gave in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For he says, no good tree bears bad fruit, and nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For the figs are not gathered for thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from bramble bushes. The good person, out of the good treasure of their heart, does good. But the evil person, out of the evil treasures of their heart, do evil. For out of the abundance, the mouth speaks. See, what Jesus is saying is something radical. What Jesus is saying is something that goes against the culture and against even everything within you and me. Our words and our behaviors, to the greater extent, are being shaped not by what's happening outside of me, but what's happening inside of me. The reality is we don't believe it. Things come at us, junk comes out of us, but we believe that the things that come at us are the reason why the junk comes out of us. It's not what the Bible says. Now, if you were to ask somebody, typically, the typical response that you would give, now most of our kids just walked out for junior church, so now if you were to ask your children, you know, they just got in trouble and you heard some rambling going on in the, in the room next door, and you would go and grab one of your kids and you'd say, why, why did you do it? And what would their answer be? Somebody else did it, right? It was, a, it was them, and the finger goes right out to somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. They look outside of themselves. I do a lot of counseling as well. It's sad to say, you see it in the counseling with adults. When you have a husband and a wife sitting in a room together, and you ask them, what is the major cause of the problems in your marriage? The fingers go out. See, if he were different, if he would love me, if he would cherish me, if he would, if he would, 
So husbands will ask, will find themselves a tendency to say that it's the wife's fault. The wife will have a tendency to say it's the husband's fault. The child would say it's my sibling's fault. We tend to look outward for our struggles. Or some of us, in reality, look at the pains from our past. And the struggles, and some of us grew up in some very difficult environments, and, and the pains that you endure have left scars in your life. And those scars that are there in your life, some counselors will tell you that that's the reason you are the way you are today. Or they'll look at the pains in your past or your problems in your present, and the reality is this. That's not the reason why we struggle today. Yes, the pains in my past and the problems in my present cause difficulties, but they come at me. That's not what's causing the things that come out of me. Here's the principles I want you to understand is this. If we actually believe that what we do is not formed by what is happening within us, but rather what is happening outside of us, there is going to be no desire for change in our lives. Did you hear that? That if I really believe that the problem is outside of me rather than within me, I have no need to change. Maybe I have to change a church. Maybe I have to change a relationship. Maybe I have to change a job. But I don't have to change me. There's no personal change that has to happen if the problems are outside of me. Many people don't think that they have to change because they don't see themselves as responsible. And what you've been hearing over the last number of weeks is the fact that we are clearly responsible and we will stand before God. What Jesus is saying is this, in that passage in Luke, is that we live out of our hearts. That what is in our hearts, our words and our behaviors come out of what is there in our hearts. What is deeply in your heart? Well, Solomon is writing this passage and he says, I want you to guard your heart. We spend very little time thinking about guarding our hearts. We think about how the people influence us. We don't think about how we determine the direction of our lives. We believe that they determine the direction of our lives. And unless and until you and I get to a place in our lives where we are going to own it and we are going to say that I am personally responsible for the things that I think, the things that I say, and the things that I do, I will have no freedom. You know the most dangerous thing in my life The most dangerous thing in my life is me. The most dangerous thing in your life is you. And so change cannot happen unless and until I recognize that I'm the greatest problem in my marriage. I'm the greatest problem as a parent. I'm the greatest problem in any relationship. I need to look at what I bring to the table. See, when I do that, and when you do that, real change can happen. Real change can happen. See, I believe that a ministry, a, a real discipleship ministry, starts with the fact that you don't just change people's minds. You don't just change people's behaviors. You know, that change behaviors, that doesn't work. But you aim at the heart. So that as you aim at the heart, you will see radical and lasting change happening in people's lives. Jesus didn't just come here to change you externally. Jesus came here to give you a new life, new relationships, new joys, new hopes, new sorrows. So what do I do, James? I got it. You're telling me it's about my heart, but what is that? Think about the pride that you may struggle with at times. 
How often is it that when you have a disagreement, it's about you? Think about the bitterness that some of us hold on to. Bitterness from, from people that have done things in my past. Think of the lust that draws us day after day after day. Think of the fears that we have. Think of whatever it is that you think and how you feel and how you respond. It is driven out of something that is happening deep within you. And it's very easy, as Adam did in the garden, to point his finger outward to Eve and say, Eve, it's your fault. And then Adam was even more brazen, if you remember Pastor um, Doug's sermon. He wasn't just brazen enough to say it was Eve's fault. He said what? It was God, it's your fault. It was the woman you gave me. And unless and until Adam and James can come to a place where we own us, it's me, that I'm the greatest problem here. So question number one I want you to think about is this. Why do I do the things that I do? It's not because of my past, as painful as that is. It's not because of my present, as, as much problems as I may have in my present. The reason why I do what I do is because of me. And when I can own that, I don't have to point a finger outward. I could be looking inward. I could be confronting myself. In Proverbs verse 28, chapter 28, verse 13, it says this, He who conceals his sin will not what? prosper. But he who confesses it and forsakes it finds mercy. That what God wants to do is this. He wants to shine the bright light, like these lights are shining on me right now. He wants to shine a bright light into my heart and looking and opening my heart to show me my pride, my lust, my failures, my desire for glory. Those things that keep me struggling in my relationships. He wants to lay that out. That's the heart surgery he wants to do. And he wants you to say, it's me. I'm the greatest problem here. In Proverbs 28, he says that you, need, you have two options. You can either conceal or you can confess. See, what, how do people conceal their sin today? Some people conceal their sin by denying it. They, denou they doubt it. They excuse it. They, they avoid it. They cover it up. Some people do what? They will avert it. They'll blame somebody else. They'll point the finger outward to somebody else. And then some people try to anesthetize their sin. They numb it. They numb it with drugs or alcohol or pornography or all these type of things, money, possessions. And whether you are trying to deny it, whether you're trying to avoid it, avert it, or whether you're trying to anesthetize it, it creates the struggles in your life. The only answer is to confess it. Proverbs 28 says that he who confesses his sin will prosper. See, I want my marriage to prosper. I want my family to prosper. I want my relationships to prosper. I'm sure that's true for you. So I'm asking you this morning, there are plenty of things that you could look outward and say that they are doing wrong. But what I'm asking you to think about this morning is what is it deep within me that needs to change? Look at your heart. Look at the things that need to change, because that moves us to the second question I need you to consider. Not only why do I do the things that I do, but the second question is important. How does lasting change take place? How does lasting change take place? Lasting change takes place by not turning away from the external environment. Lasting change takes place when I recognize that I need to change. 
So then when I sit down with my wife and it's like, or my, my sons or my daughter, my son or my daughter, and sit there and say that I'm wrong, please forgive me, I failed, and recognizing where I have failed and making the change inward, not trying to change people from the outside, because inevitably what happens? When I try to change somebody else, I feel hopeless and helpless. I feel like I can't change because I need people to change or circumstances to change in order for me to change. If on the other hand, I change from the inside out, what happens is that there can be real change, deep change, lasting change in my life. I hope that's true for you. I hope that's true for me. See, as you're confessing, I think it needs to go vertical first to God and say, God, and there has to be an honesty with God that, God, please forgive me. You know my heart. I know I want to cover this up in my shame. I want to run away in my fear. I want to blame in my guilt. But Lord, I know and you know I want to be honest with you. I fail. I don't think it's simply just honesty with God, but then it's honesty with others. I need to bring those people into my life and confess to them where I've gone wrong. The person that I've harmed, my accountability people in my life, I need to confess this. There needs to be honest vertically. I need to be honest horizontally, but the deepest place where I need to be honest with, is with me. Because <laughs> if I'm not honest with myself, nothing changes. So how honest have you been? When you look at your relational difficulties, is your tendency to believe that the problem is outward? And if you are there, as most of us are, the freedom is going to come from an inward change of your heart. Second question, how does it change? Lasting? It changes in a lasting way when day after day after day, it becomes about me doing work with God Solomon's writing here and saying, keep your heart. What does it mean to keep your heart? Protect it. Guard it. See, if your heart, as scripture teaches, is the thoughts that you have and the words that you, the thoughts that you have, the attitudes of your heart, the beliefs that you hold deeply, what is it that you allow into your ears? What is it that you allow your eyes to see? What is it that you tend to believe deeply? See, when God created humanity, God created humanity dependent, dependent upon him. When God created humanity, he created humanity dependent upon counsel. We needed counsel. And that when God created humanity, we were dependent, dependent upon counsel, but we would be molded and shaped by the counsel that we listen to. Who are you listening to this morning? Who has your ear? Who has your eyes? Who has your feet? Who has your life? Whoever influences your mind and your heart and your life influences the direction of where you go. So lasting change comes from the inside out. That's why the psalmist can say in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, what the psalmist was saying is this. I know it's about all the struggles that are happening around me, but the reason I am, the direction I go in my life is because of what's happening within me and within you. So if the lasting change is ever going to happen, it's going to happen from the inside out. So question number one I wanted you to think about is this. Why do I do the things that I do? Because it's me. I'm the most dangerous thing in my life. Question number two I wanted you to think about is this. 
How does lasting change take place? It's not from trying to control or manipulate people from the outside. That doesn't work. It's about controlling me, controlling my own thoughts, my own desires, my own drive. Psalmist, the Proverbs said, keep your heart with all vigilance. How much do you fight for your heart? I mean, we war over almost everything. We war over parking spaces. We war over that guy cut me off on the road. We war over that man makes more money than me. We war over almost everything today. But how often is it that we war over our hearts? Go to battle for what comes to my eyes that's going to influence my heart. The thing that you look at on that computer today is going to influence you maybe weeks, months, and years down the road. The evasion that you do today may not impact you today, but it will impact you years down the road. And so what happens is this, that real change, lasting change, happens on the inside out. The third question I want you to consider this morning is this. How can I be used as an instrument of change in people's lives? Well, I hope I've figured it, help you, helped you to answer the question. Well, the first thing is this. How? I need to deal with my own heart. I need to deal with my own life. I need to change from the inside out. And as I change from the inside out, as I am guarding my heart with all vigilance, and that I am coming to your life, and I'm recognizing that it's not about external change, it's not about external circumstances, but it's about the internal change of your heart. It's people, heart to heart, connecting with one another. And as you spend time learning over and over to love people deeply. It's interesting that the Bible talks about guarding our hearts, but it talks about a tender heart. It talks about a loving heart. It talks about a humble heart. Each one of those elements of who you are, is that you? And if that's not you, then pray to God that he changes it. Pray to God that you will be given the ability to go vigilantly against your in your life, in all humility. This passage in Proverbs says to keep your heart with all vigilance, but then he ends with this. He says, for from it flows a pond of life, right? No? It streams or springs of life. You know, we have some, in our property, we have, they're called wetlands, right? You probably have some of those, right? And the water just stays there. And it's murky and it's muggy and the bugs come out of that water because it doesn't move. It's stale water. But that's not the type of water he's talking about here. What he's talking about is a water that bubbles up and comes out and it gushes. That's what should be gushing out of our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to consider this morning, how does lasting change take place? takes place in my heart. How can I be influencing other people? I need to be influencing their hearts. Do you love people? Do you make it your aim to love them even if they don't love you? Jesus Christ came here to be, not to uh, serve, but to be, I'm sorry, not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom forever. He said, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life 
for his friends. See, the love that we need to be showing in our lives is a love that is sacrificial. That love should come out in the way we speak. That love should come out in the way we act and live. So how can this church, how can your family, how can your marriage be radically different? The first thing is this. I need to come to a place where I recognize that I'm the greatest problem, and so are you. And that you humbly go before God and say that I failed day after day. And then I go to the second area, hope, the hope of the gospel. See, day after day as you go back to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ lived perfectly righteous for you and for me. He lived every day perfect because I don't live one hour perfect. And over and over what he did for you and for me is he lived a righteous life that you could never live. He died a death in our place to take the wrath, the anger of God for what I've done wrong and then to apply righteousness to your life. And then he doesn't just simply apply righteousness to your life. What he says is this, if you're my believer, I'm going to come and live in your life. I'm going to actually love your wife or your husband through you. I'm going to become that father or that mother through you. I'm going to become that worker through you. So keep your heart with all vigilance because what springs up can be Christ living in you. We believe here at the chapel that God changes people through vital relationships. There is no more important vital relationship that anyone is ever going to have than the vertical relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some here that sit in this room who have heard about Christ decade after decade of your life and never turned and trusted in Christ. You've heard the good news of the gospel and you've said, "Ah," and you walk out. And what I'm encouraging today is do not harden your heart as they did in Mirabah, but bend your knee to Christ. Turn to him this morning as the only answer to your real struggles in your life. But I would assume that the majority of people that I am sitting here with this morning know Christ. You love him. You desire him. Well, what I want you to be encouraged to do today is this. I want you to become a vehicle where God's gushing spring can come out of your life. In the words that you speak, in the actions that you do, let your home Let your marriage, let your family, let your work, let the things that you do, every relationship be touched with the gospel of God's grace. There are thousands of people that are within miles of this building that need the gospel. You have been privileged to be drawn to faith in God for those that trust in him. Do not hold that gift but share it. And as your hearts change, you will see lasting change in your life. And when lasting change happens in your life, you will know that the only one that could do that is Christ. And that Christ has given you forgiveness and he's given you freedom. And then you're going to be used as a vehicle in God's life, an instrument in his hands to minister grace. So minister grace to your spouse today, even when they don't deserve it. Minister grace to your children today even when they don't deserve it. Minister grace to those that have offended you, even though they don't deserve it. Why? 
because God has done that for you. Lord, we praise you. And we thank you. Lord, you said, keep our hearts. Guard them. Protect them. Father, this is such a valuable thing that you've given us in our hearts. Help us not to be willy-nilly with it. Help us not to be sloppy when it comes to our hearts. Help us to put a sentry around our hearts, around our minds, and help us to guard it, Lord, by your Spirit's power. Father, help us to do that with all vigilance. Help us to fight as though it is our life because it is our life. Lord, help us to see that the most dangerous thing that is within me is within me in my heart. But then, Father, thank you so much for the fact that in Christ, you've given us new desires. You've given us a new ability. You've given us a new freedom. You've given us a new hope. You've given us a new joy. You've given us a new peace in Christ. So, Lord, I pray that we would just amazingly stand before your son's grace and thank him so much for what he's done. And then, Father, help us be used as an instrument in our lives, in other people's lives. Father, for every person in this room that has ever trusted in your son, they have come to faith in all likelihood through the mouth and the work of somebody else who has ministered grace to them has been an instrument in their lives. So help us to do the same. And Father, help this building to be not just a building as beautiful as it is, but that people will say that that is a chapel that loves, that knows us, that speaks to us, that those vital relationships have changed us. And help us to bring glory and honor to your name. And all God's people said, amen.